0: I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last
1: week they had Brady. This week they got. Brainy. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I gonna get too illegal legal on this. I yeah, like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're back. We're live on YouTube. And uh, we're going to preview all of the Week 18 NFL action back on our usual Thursday schedule here. But first, we do have a DeMar Hamlin update. I'm sure, I hope uh, most people did hear the most recent update. Opened his eyes. It's all positive news coming out of the hospital, right? Opened his eyes and gripping the hands of loved ones. So we just wanted to make sure that people knew that was our... That update did come through recently, and uh, yesterday we spent the show talking about the Damar Hamlin situation. Appreciate everybody that tuned into that and some of the feedback that we got off of that. You know, it was um, it was good given the uh, circumstances.
0: Yeah, the first real positive updates came today, uh, which is obviously great news for him, great news for everybody involved. Uh, we had been kind of in a holding pattern, waiting for anything um, while they they had him. Uh, in the medically induced coma in the hospital, this was the first indication that things are going to be or the first positive outlook. You know, they, the reports today were that he is, I think neurologically intact was the term they were using, but he's conscious. He's um, responding to loved ones, to the medical professionals, like just all good news coming today. Obviously it's still too early to tell what a, a real prognosis looks like, but that's great news for him, for everybody. Um, so that's yeah, awesome, awesome news to start the day with.
1: Yeah, so that was that was all good. I think the um, the NFL's supposedly closing out on a, on a decision. It might actually come while we're on the on the show here on a decision what to do with the game. The latest report, I think, mostly from Pro Football Talk. I don't know if others have reported it that um, they're leaning toward not uh, going back to play the Bills Bengals game, mm-hmm. which means they'll figure out the seating. Based off of this weekend's action, they'll, whether it's a, a coin flip or just win percentages or some other method. Um, but on the surface, it does look like that's a, a win for the Kansas City Chiefs, who just have to beat the Raiders and might get the number one seed unless they go to... I've heard people say coin flip for the Bills-Bengals game, which means the Bills could win it. I don't know. <sighs> i That feels the mostly the, the report was no contest, calling yes. it a no contest, right? Which
0: felt, has felt for a while like the most likely outcome. Um, but that, I mean, theoretically, anything they do of screws anybody but the Chiefs hands the seed to the Chiefs unless they somehow concoct a seeding methodology that redresses that and, and takes a game off the Chiefs or whatever. I don't know. I again, we said yesterday, there's no, there's no good outcome to this. You know, whatever they do, it's going to be bad. There's, there's only what is the best bad situation we can come up with to make this happen. Ultimately, though, look. It's it's not important, right? Hamlin is important. Who gets the number one seed in any normal circumstance is obviously of paramount importance. This time, it's like, who cares? The yeah. guy, the fact that the guy is showing um, signs of being okay is way more important than how they determine who gets the number one seed. All three of these teams are capable of beating all three of these teams. You know, it, it's somebody's gonna have to go on the road. Who cares who it is? Let's just enjoy the fact that they're you know, upright and
1: playing each other again. Yeah. So, um, we're excited about the positive news coming out of, uh, you know, the DeMar Hamlin report. And, um, as we prefaced yesterday, we, we agree. That's the most important thing in this whole situation. We are going to talk about the football. We will move to previewing all the games. Um, but just wanted to, to highlight again, that is the most important thing and don't want to have to preface it before every single game. We will go through the week 18 slate here.
0: We had a great email come in yesterday. Um, we the NFL podcast at pff.com is our email address for anyone looking. Somebody tweeted us today, have, couldn't find the email address. That's the the email to send us. Um, we had somebody call, I'm just gonna give her first name in case she doesn't want it read out, but somebody called Amy read in or re- emailed in and was talking about how, um, we mentioned yesterday the, the sort of need to do something that everybody was having, and Hamlin's toy drive now is over seven million, I think, and, and counting. Um, and she said the thing she found to do was go and take a CPR course. You know, actually go and learn how to perform CPR on somebody. She'd done it before, but kind of got a re-up of her uh, CPR qualifications. I think that's a phenomenal thing to channel your energy into and find an outlet and find something to do, you know, rather than bitching at Skip Bayless on Twitter or, I mean, the toy drive I think is a fantastic thing as well. But that's an incredibly positive
1: way of channeling the, the helpless feeling um onto this so
0: good good for amy
1: yeah i think that's fantastic that was a, a great email and uh feel free to email us with uh other other things you want to discuss if you want events whatever it might be podcast at pff.com so that's great appreciate that amy all right man you want to get into uh the games mm-hmm. all ahead. right so i tried to sort these out by some kind of order um we're gonna do saturday the two saturday games first we'll discuss those Okay. then we'll get into AFC games with the biggest playoff implications and then NFC games with the biggest playoff implications and then the rest of the games that really don't matter much outside of maybe like a seed or two some of them mean absolutely nothing
0: so. and you told me that there are no we don't have Harry's picks we're back to you flying solo yeah sorry Harry back to back winning weeks Nine and seven, and then eight and seven. Now we're back to the Steve situation. That's right. Despite back-to-back winning weeks, <laughs> he has only been able to rescue your season record to fifty-three games
1: under five hundred. Yeah, I might not make that up. And now you're back, back to yourself. Can I, What if I win every game the rest of the year? I still can't. You're get... still miles under five hundred. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I, I had to get to the office early today, so I couldn't. I couldn't uh, talk to my son. Okay, about the well, That helps about his me, X, because
0: last week I went like three and twelve with no indication of what I should do by picking the opposite of you. Yeah, Steve.
1: Week. Well, I'm already filling in the sheet here, so feel free to uh, pick the opposite. Perfect. As we go here. All right, let's start with um, the Saturday games: Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. This is our first game on Saturday. The Chiefs are favored by nine and a half. Depending on if, if well. Depending on what happens with the NFL here, this could be Chiefs win and they'll get the number one seed, get the bye. Um, Jared Stidham getting the start again for the Raiders, of course having a, an awesome first debut, uh, starting debut last week in a losing effort, but still had a you know fantastic game. These teams, remember, it was a was 31-30 in their first matchup. Well, was Monday night football, right down to the wire. The uh, Chiefs defense held, uh, held on to the lead on a, on a late-game comeback attempt by Derek Carr in the Raiders. So they played a tight one in Kansas City on Monday Night Football. This one's in Vegas. Chiefs favored by nine and a half here.
0: Yep. Um, I I think the most interesting thing in this game to me is Chris Jones against that interior uh, Raiders offensive line. Dylan Parham has had a couple of games this year where he's been absolutely overwhelmed and destroyed. That's the kind of game that could happen if Chris Jones is let loose and and given free reign for the – the entirety of it. Um, and then obviously, as you said, the the Jarrett's did not thing. What can he do week two? I was very impressed by him last week, even with, you know, it wasn't perfect. He held onto the ball too long sometimes. He it was a little bit, not um, rooted in the pocket, but he has that sort of Cam Newton style of, this is my spot, I'm staying on my spot. To make the play rather than making the small adjustment within the pocket to free yourself up a little bit of space, and sometimes that gets you into trouble.
1: Yeah, and I, w- I want to go back to the first matchup a little bit too because remember the the Raiders early on. We we always call for aggressiveness when you're playing uh, in the in the underdog role when you're playing a team like the Chiefs. Remember the Raiders in their own territory went for it on fourth and one. Carr hit Devontae Adams on a bomb on fourth and one on that play to um, to go up seven to nothing, and there was overall aggressive play by the Raiders but they got up they got up early then they kicked the field goal they started to ease up a little bit with nothing on the line for the Raiders I assume they'll play a similar brand of football where they're just kind of you know going forward on fourth down being aggressive hopefully they do uh, take those downfield shots with with Stidham here we saw Darren Waller with the big play last week I do think this offense had Darren Waller been in there the entire year you know as a middle of the field stretch the field tight end that is a you know big impact type of player that they've missed for the majority of the season. And um, Devontae Adams, you're looking to cap an incredible season statistically, even though it started slow. So I think the Raiders have a chance if they're aggressive and they just, you know, chuck it around, right? If they um, create those chunk plays that they're capable of or if it becomes like one of those uh, Josh Jacobs play keep away type of games.
0: And they have generally played Kansas City close over the last few years. They've done a good job relative to – what relative to most other teams, and also relative to their own performance <laughs> against other teams, they tend to give Kansas or Kansas City a reasonably tight game. Um, so yeah, I I I think a lot of it comes down to what kind of second game we're going to get from Stidham, um, whether he can back up what he did last week, or if that was just a high water mark
1: of what he's capable of. Josh Jacobs did miss practice, but it was it's very confusing in the injury report. It's hip slash oblique, but it was also reported as a personal day. Hmm. So whatever you want to call that. So if Jacobs is in, again, the, the Raiders, they're an intriguing offense with the level of playmakers that they have. If Chris Jones does become an absolute game wrecker on the interior, though, that does that does affect things. On the other side, Kansas City's offense, they've been cooking all season. Mahomes looks like he's going to seal the MVP. You know, the the one thing that could have stalled Mahomes' MVP candidacy would, would have been a big game from either Josh Allen or Joe Burrow on Monday night. Obviously, we didn't get to see that. So it looks like Mahomes is going to cap his MVP season. I expect the Chiefs to win. The question is, will they cover the 9.5 here? Uh, I think the Raiders cover the 9.5. Is that because you already saw that I took the Chiefs? 100%, yes. I took the Chiefs to cover the 9.5 that go out with a bang here. Yeah. The, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. PFF NFL Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash And Of course, we're live here in Western and Southern studio here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. All right, the night game. Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars like it's 1999 all over again Titans and Jags playing for the playoffs didn't go well in 99 Sam didn't go well yeah with my 99 Jags all three of their losses that year came to the Titans Hmm. that was rough well the Titans were on their way there to uh to one yard short right they were going to be one yard short in the Super Bowl against the Rams the Jags would have taken out Kurt Warner's Rams though they would have
0: The Jags would have taken yeah
1: great defense all right I don't want I don't want to think back to it But uh, Josh Dobbs, um, the the funny thing is I'm writing my notes throughout the week. we got Josh Dobbs playing for a playoff spot. you got Skylar Thompson playing for a playoff spot. (laughs) You have Brock Purdy playing for the number one seed, as we all predicted back Mm. in August. But yeah, Josh Dobbs is officially getting the start for the Titans. Jags are favored by six here at home in this uh, Saturday night primetime game. AFC South is on the line here. Yeah,
0: um, I'm curious, first of all, like what what is Trevor Lawrence gonna do against this Tennessee defense, which is generally massively outperformed, I think the talent level on it. Um, But the other thing is, that Titans offensive line is awful. It's absolutely collapsed. It's the worst offensive line in the NFL. Over the year, it's the worst offensive line in the NFL right now. The last time they played, and there's a lot of those games this week, right? Because it's the, it's division weekend, the way the NFL does that. The uh,
1: last time we played, yeah. Yeah, so we have a whole
0: load of these games where it's, well, last time these two teams met. Um, the last time these two teams met, Trayvon Walker had one of his best games, you know, made, made an impact play. Uh, if that Jags defense is able to just overwhelm Tennessee's offensive line, man, it's really tough to see how Josh Dobbs is going to make this happen on his own.
1: Yeah, the uh, so Dobbs played last week against the Cowboys. He was in the building for only about 10 days to that point. They did create some chunk plays against that Cowboys defense. And overall, the pass game was certainly more effective than it was with Malik Willis under center. Um, you sent me something the other day. Was it a, a Malik Willis bet that you couldn't figure out?
0: Yeah. I think I, that
1: we made? I had
0: something. I'm going like to double down on it in this game. I had a reminder set on my calendar. Still have, in fact, for this Sunday after the final week of games and I can't decipher what it was it simply says Malik Willis U40 which I assume means under 40 snaps as quote package non-quarterback slash non-garbage time I think I still can't work out quite what that actually means but I assume it was some bet that the two of us had Way back in like preseason or week one. Yeah,
1: almost certainly. It was me saying absolutely the Titans are going to have a package for Malik Willis. I yeah. know this for sure. They're uh-huh. going to do it. They're going to mix it up. I don't know how many snaps. What well, they end up with? Like 10 snaps of him? Usually at wide receiver. Usually some kind of botched handoff with him and Tannehill. It didn't go well. right? Um, so I think I'll lose that bet as well. Well, that's a shocking turn. Of but things. I'm going to double down in this game.
0: You think it's going to happen this game? This is the All game they're
1: going to use Malik Willis as a runner to mix things up. Huh. Everything's on the line here. The playoffs are on the line. Are you going to fully trust Josh Dobbs? Even though you know he ran the offense effectively, made some really good throws the other day, also had a few bad ones in there. I should have had a pick six that he threw to uh, Travon Diggs that got dropped. So, yeah, it's a little boom or bust for this Tennessee Titans offense. I think they got to they got to pull it all out in this game.
0: Yeah, you're definitely under what is it forty snaps over the course of the year in that
1: particular. Uh... Yeah, how many snaps did he have in his non starts? Like a handful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not it wasn't forty. Many. Not forty, so I, maybe in this game with Dobbs, they'll try. You're it. on
0: quite the streak of bets this year, to the point where you even removed a winning bet from your slate with the Brandon uh, Graham thing. Yeah,
1: what a year! It really it's is. Throw 2020 phenomenal right out the window here. Throw it out the window. Um, so the Jack, the winner gets the four seed. Of course, that would be the AFC South. Um, it would be. There's no rooting interest here or whatever but it would be fascinating to see trevor lawrence in the playoffs wouldn't it trevor lawrence yeah the way he's playing um hot you know being hot and playing great down the stretch here and week one likely against justin herbert and the chargers could be against the ravens with or without lamar jackson either way um the jags are on a run here and, and speaking of the ravens like the jags are only in this spot because they made a miraculous fourth quarter comeback against the Ravens. It's one of those runs where you're going to look back and say the Jags needed some things to break their way, some some incredible late game performances against the Raiders and against the Ravens to get to this point. But I think they are there because that was the step that Trevor Lawrence made in the second half of the season. He became their alpha number one, their, you know, legit elite-ish type of quarterback. And future's bright in Jacksonville. Now it's okay, season's on the line division game is Trevor Lawrence going to step up here in in crunch time
0: the AFC I think potentially in the playoffs could be extremely fun because the teams that are getting in or look like they're going to get in from a uh, a wild card standpoint all bring something to the table that you can picture you can paint a picture where they go toe-to-toe with those top seeds that we're talking about so whether it's Trevor Lawrence playing as well as any quarterback since like week eight um, whether it's Justin Herbert bringing the special ability that he has to the table, Lamar Jackson if he's back for Baltimore, what how unique that offense is. Even if Miami get in, like if if Tua's healthy and that offense is cooking the way it was cooking earlier in the season, like Miami can scare anybody as well. So the AFC playoff picture has the potential
1: to be just spectacular. Now I would not let's not underrate the Titans in this one, right? So it's a six-point spread, and that's effectively because the Titans' offense. Hasn't been great all season other than in the red zone. And of course they're missing their starting quarterback, but uh, the injured players in, for Tennessee, especially uh, Danico Autry has been back. All the guys that were arrested last week, Jeffrey Simmons, Christian Fulton, um, uh, Amani Hooker, they're all officially questionable, but it seems like they're going to, they're going to go in this game. I think that, I think the Titans, I'm not saying they're going to be full strength defensively, but they'll have a lot of their players back. So I think it's going to be a good battle. The Jags uh, beat the Titans pretty handily and they're, Last matchup, pulled away in the second half. So um, we'll see if they can carry that over. But what do you think, man? Six points here.
0: Uh, I like Jacksonville to cover that, even though you do as well, which worries me.
1: Yeah. Jags by six. Again, I, I was impressed by Dobbs, but it's it's through this lens of with the team for 10 10 yeah. days and it's like
0: that went better than I was expecting it to it yeah. still didn't exactly go well. <laughs> and he like
1: executed some pass concepts, yeah. right? The expectations were low, but we're still talking Dobbs versus Lawrence head to head. I hope it comes down to some kind of like final drive or something dramatic, but I think the Jags are too good. Play Keep an eye on Travis Etienne as well. Another big play 62 yarder last week, number one in rushing yards over expectations by certain measures. So the Jags are turning into a big play offense, almost like the, uh, the late nineties. Stop. Hey, somebody in the YouTube comments said that they wanted me. You know, they want a montage of all my late nineties Jags comments. They needed Jimmy Smith. They need Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith not in the Hall of Fame should be in there. Is he even a nominee? Not in the modern era ones. Fred Taylor's not in the final fifteen, and I think that's okay. Yes, I wouldn't. But Fred Taylor there either. I mean I don't think Curtis Martin should be there either, but
0: I mean here's the thing, right? You look at the receivers, the modern era finalists of the class of twenty twenty three, there are multiple wide receivers in there. Uh Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne. Uh I think that's it for wide receivers. I
1: mean, does Jimmy Smith's better than Reggie Wayne? I would argue Jimmy Smith stacks up against those three very well. I would say he's right there with Torrey Holt, right there with Marvin Harrison, however you want to sort those three, comparable production. And he's better than Reggie Wayne, who was the two to Harrison. Yeah. All right. All right, let's go uh, next game here. So we're going to go through the rest. Here's the Sunday AFC games that have some playoff implications here, or the biggest playoff implications. Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals favored by seven. Um, of course, I have, we have no idea how Cincinnati, and especially Buffalo, are going to handle this week. Hmm. Um, everybody in the NFL, really. Um, we mentioned that yesterday, right? How can – yeah is any player, you know, is any running back going to lower the head in the hole and have, you know, a little hesitation or yeah. doubt like they – compared to what they normally would? I, I, do, I don't know.
0: I do think that getting good news today is huge for, for sure. how those guys are going to react. I mean, you know, I, I misspoke a little bit yesterday remembering the Christian Eriksen thing from the Euros. I forgot they actually resumed that game later that day. But the point was they only did that once – it became clear that ericsson was going to be okay you know that's what got the 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 denmark players to agree to go back and actually finish that game um there's a huge difference between sitting there not knowing what's going to happen to your teammate and knowing that okay at least it looks like our guy's going to be okay we can go out and and then then you get into that cognitive dissonance compartmentalization world where you just put That out of your mind for a while and go and play a football game. So, I think the fact that we are starting to get good news about DeMar Hamlin it makes it easier for Buffalo and Cincinnati to go out there and play a game of football as if the world is normal again.
1: Um, the Bengals here, so they're depending on what the NFL rules here, could be out of the number one seed mix. There are all these different scenarios about them making up the game against the Bills. It sounds like they're not going to, but um what cincinnati would be playing for is if they win and the bills lose if they play this weekend cincinnati would get the number two seed i believe over well would they even they wouldn't have the tiebreaker over the bills i don't even know if they can get the two seed anymore <laughs> i haven't reshaped my scenarios with that as a no cont- a contest so right. i apologize i'm uh, permutations man is, is out of action well, if they both have four losses, I don't know who gets the tiebreaker. It was easier before because the assumption was if the Cincinnati wins against Buffalo, of course they get the tiebreaker. But we yeah. don't know what's going to happen there. But there's a chance that they're both twelve and four, is the point. So I'm not sure. Okay. But they, um, I assume Cincinnati's playing for something. If they, if they can't get the tiebreaker over Buffalo, then it's a nothing game for Cincinnati. They'd be locked into the three seed. The Ravens though, but they can
0: hang on. They can win and Buffalo could lose, right?
1: Buffalo could lose. Yeah, right. To the
0: Patriots. I guess
1: I'm making too many assumptions. That right. the, that the uh, favorites are going to. They have win these to. Games. I mean, it's they have. Cincinnati's to, playing, right? Yes. There's, they, they have, have a chance to play at the for seed. whatever happens. They have. A, they have a chance at the two seed. The Ravens, though, when we talk about the seeding, the Ravens fell to the six seed here, which means this could be a preview of next week, right? We might have a wild card matchup um, here in Cincinnati, Baltimore, just hang out here for the week. Um, we might have a wild card matchup three versus six next week as well in Cincinnati. The Ravens want to win because I think you'd want to get the five seed. And uh, the Chargers currently have the five. And the five seed gets to play the winner of Titans-Jaguars rather than come to Cincinnati or Buffalo.
0: Yeah, I mean, both these teams, I think, want to play and want to win this game. Like it, it, it Nobody is looking at this as a, a dead rub or a game that doesn't mean anything for anybody. But if you're Baltimore, you want to win. There's reasons to win, but not to the point – I think you want to risk Lamar Jackson if he isn't ready to go like it's not that important like the important thing for Baltimore is Lamar Jackson is ready for the playoffs not that Lamar Jackson is ready
1: for um, this game to try and adjust their seating Uh, so impressed with what the Bengals have done by down the stretch remember we we sat here back in week 12 or 13 and said look at this last stretch for Cincinnati Um, we obviously didn't get to see them against the Bills the other night but they beat the Titans in week week twelve, which looked like a huge matchup in the AFC at the time. They beat the Chiefs the next week. They beat the Browns with Deshaun Watson. They beat the Bucks and then they beat the Patriots. Right? I mean, they beat some teams that are going to the playoffs or fringe playoff teams or best teams in the league. And early in that game the other night, Joe Burrow looked fantastic. The pass game looked great in Cincinnati. So I'm expecting them to for what you know, if they get into the right mental state for this weekend. Cincinnati could roll in this game if it's Tyler Huntley's Ravens, right?
0: Yes. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, Baltimore is not
0: the same team this year without Lamar Jackson, a quarterback. It hasn't functioned with Tyler Huntley, a quarterback. It's been a struggle. The Bengals are a little bit beat up on the defensive front. Trey Hendrickson's been dealing with injuries. Um, Like last week, a big differentiator was TJ Watt, had one of the best games he's had this season. Certainly, I think the best since coming back from injury. uh, Overwhelmed. The great Morgan Moses, a right tackle on a play, um, also gave Ronnie Stanley some problems as well, or Ronnie Stanley had some issues in that game as well. So Baltimore, I think, um, maybe be okay on the offensive line. The other thing is, I mean, obviously this is like number 1,252 in the list of consequential things to come out of Monday night, but – that game being abandoned meant we didn't really get to see what this Bengals offensive line looks like with without Lyle Collins at right tackle. Like We didn't get to see how that was going to go. Hakeem Adenogy at right tackle, we know that that's generally a problem for yeah. them. Um, Gregory Rousseau and the Bills, I think would have been a pretty good test for for where they are. We don't know what that looks like now. So that's, I think, Baltimore's opportunity to show up and Adafe Owe or Justin Houston, one of those guys to really start attacking identity and see what he can do and if that can disrupt this
1: offense early on it looked fine right i mean for whatever right. 10, 15 plays looked i mean burrow was sharp ball was coming out quick but i think that's part of it right like when the ball's coming out quick you protect your offensive line we'll see if they can do that against balt uh baltimore baltimore's had their um i think the depth issues in the secondary for the ravens too could come back to bite here as well um any report on lamar practicing today He did not practice yesterday. I'm assuming he's not going to go this week. I would be surprised if he played this week. Marcus Peters, technically questionable. And again, that's, you know, second and third corner for the Ravens. Been a bit of an issue at times this year. So um, I like the Bengals here. I started thinking Ravens, but I flipped it. Does that screw you up?
0: A little bit. (sighs) It is, I mean, it's a lot of points in a division game, which doesn't tend to be that big all right fine let's go let's baltimore
1: let's i'm sticking with the idea that steve is always wrong but that was my my initial instinct was the Ravens. so i don't know how you play that
0: no because whatever you end up picking
1: i mean the picks speak for themselves can't argue with that all right i'll take the Bengals to cover the seven all right so uh i want to tell you about our friends over at prize picks how does it work you pick two to five players and if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry there's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, eSports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. If you're on YouTube, you can see it on the screen there. You just get your over or under the, or more or less, sorry, the uh, prize Picks projection. This is why you're the expert here. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code PFF1. That's PFF1. You deposit $100, Picks gives you $100. Deposit $50, Picks gives you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code PFF1 at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Doing so well there. Mm. Until I wasn't. All right. The other game on the list we're going to break down here is the Patriots at the Bills. Uh, Bills are favored by. Actually, it's in it's in New England, right? It Buffalo at New England. It is. In New England. Did I get the? Um, no, it's in Buffalo. It's it New is in, in Buffalo. New England in Buffalo. Okay, because they played Thursday. I'm, I'm sorry. New England at Buffalo. Buffalo's favored by seven. Um, has the NFL officially stated that the game's going to go on? There's still a chance it could get postponed. Is there? I think so. Because I think they officially said Bengals-Ravens is happening. Um, There was a question to Bill Belichick about if the game's going to get postponed. He said, we'll handle that if we have to type of thing. But let's just just assume this game's happening Sunday at 1. Bill's win, they will be the whatever seed, 1 or (laughs) 2.
0: Permutations are just taking a kicking.
1: Oh, man, I can't. And then you deduct a game from the whole thing. I'm a mess. Mm. So how do the Bills How do the Bills play football this week?
0: Yeah, and again, I think that's a different thing now than it was this morning, right, when we, we were less brought up to date with how DeMar Hamlin was uh, potentially recovering or what his prognosis looked like. It, it is a big thing, though. I mean, this is a team that's got to go back out there a week later, less than a week, after what happened and play a game of football at the highest level without that lingering in the back of their minds. I mean, that's genuinely an unprecedented scenario. Nobody's had to do that before. Nobody's had to see that happen before. Um, I don't know how it affects them. I don't think anybody knows how it affects them. So that is going to be something to, to see.
1: If, if we knew this was the, the Bills team that we're used to seeing, they are on an incredible run against the Patriots, particularly Josh Allen, in this offense against the New England defense. They won 24 to 10 in their Thursday night game back on December 1st. But that was, there was a point in that game where if you date back to last year's uh, playoff game and last year's regular season game, Bill's offense was essentially unstoppable. The only time they'd been stopped by New England's defense was when the wind was 50 miles an hour in Buffalo last mm. year. But after that point, playoff game where the Bills didn't punt um, regular season game where the division was on the line, and Josh Allen took over, and the Bills were unstoppable. And then in this game, there was a point where they were they were scoring early and often. There was a strip sack before the half, and you know the Patriots were able to kind of keep it close. But again, remember the only the only offense for New England in this game was Marcus Jones on a screen pass, and and then that was it. Right, it was just a, it was mostly a one sided affair here. So the Bills have had their way with New England. Right, they have. Um, it, it's an older storyline but the idea that the Bills have taken over as you know the monsters of the AFC East I feel like it does it does come up in all of these matchups right because we're just three years removed from it being New England the Bills are the supreme team in the AFC East now and they've proved it every single game against New England these last couple of years except for 50 mile an hour win games yeah so uh, if Buffalo's in the right state of mind they're just a better team right now. And Absolutely, it's, it's going to take you know some special performances on New England side to be able to pull the upset.
0: Yeah, I mean they really are. The last time these two teams played, it was twenty four ten. I mean that's that's about right. <laughs> that's kind of the margin between these two teams right now. Buffalo is a much better side. They are better on both sides of the ball. I think. Um, admittedly, the Bills' injuries. I mean, it seems crazy to talk about injuries when when the Hamlin thing is is uh, hanging over this whole thing, but regular injuries had started to eat into the depth of this Buffalo Bills roster. Um, Obviously, Von Miller being a significant loss. The pass rush is not the same when Von Miller isn't there. That's deteriorated. They've been dealing with injuries in the secondary all season long as well. They, I don't think, are in as strong a position as they were starting the year when we looked at this team and said, they're the best roster in the NFL, top to bottom. They have everything. They're strong in every area. That is what is going to propel this team forward into the playoffs and they are the prohibitive number one team i think injuries across the board over the season has has chipped away at that and they're not that anymore but they're still better than the patriots across the board
1: yeah and new england's new england's injuries are a potential issue because they're a lot in the same areas right you've got a couple receivers that are questionable but more importantly i think the corners like last week they only had two of their regular corners out of five And, look, they they made do. They really made do against Miami. Were they helped a little bit by Skyler Thompson needing to come in in the second half? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if what they did last week in New England, I mentioned this on the Monday show, they played a ton of zone, far less man coverage than they usually play. In that first matchup against Buffalo, how often did they play man coverage? They had the two Joneses on the outside, Jonathan and Jack, and trying to match up with Gabriel Davis and trying to match up with Stephon Diggs. It did not go well. Um, Not because they got torched for 500 yards or anything, but when the Bills needed a play, their receivers were winning one-on-one. So I'm expecting with uh, Jack Jones now on IR and Jonathan Jones questionable and Marcus Jones still in concussion protocol and Jalen Mills questionable. If the Patriots are rolling out there shorthanded again, it's going to be another zone-heavy effort like last week. But I think the Bills are more equipped – than the Dolphins to handle that. Josh Allen, the new Josh Allen over the last two years says, I can be patient. I can take the underneath stuff. As long as he doesn't throw, like every week, as long as he doesn't throw the ball to the defense, the Bills should be fine.
0: Right, and that's the big question mark. I mean, four out of the last five full games he's played, we have multiple turnover-worthy plays for Josh Allen. Now, in three of those four games, he has at least four big-time throws as well. Like, this is the Josh Allen experience right now. You are going to get four or five incredible unstoppable plays on offense you're also going to get apparently two or three really bad mistakes that could or could not cost them depending on what happens with the defense so yeah like it's been the narrative about buffalo all season long because it's kind of true it's they're a better team than most teams across the board and even with a couple of turnover worthy plays josh allen and the bills should still beat the patriots for example the last time they played three turnover turnover-worthy plays like it didn't matter they still won 24 10 they're that much better where it starts to matter is once you get into the playoffs which we'll deal with you know in a, in a couple of weeks time
1: could new england so new england needs to win this game to get in if they win they're in mm-hmm. in the playoffs if they lose they need like four other teams to lose and we'll see what happens from there um it, could new england's pass rush do some damage though uh josh uche has been unblockable the second half of the season dietrich wise Matthew Judon, and then Christian Barmore coming off of his yeah. biggest game. Could New England's front take advantage of this Bills offensive line, which we, we highlighted before the season as, okay, if there's a weakness, it's up front. They still, Despite Josh Allen having an excellent season, they're still not great sure. up front. There is, I, mean, I don't think it's a blowout necessarily here. I think New England's defense does have a chance. I think the New England defense will play better as long as they don't get torched in the secondary. They have a chance to play better than – than they have the last three matchups. Yeah, I
0: mean, their pass rush is absolutely a mismatch in their favor. They have three high-end edge rushers in those guys, uh, Uche, Judon, and Dietrich Wise. And if Barmore can replicate what he did last week, that all of a sudden makes that a really formidable defensive front across the board, and that's that's a huge thing in their favor because the Bills' offensive line has not been good all season long. It's generally been getting worse So if they can really tap into that and put Josh Allen under a consistent volume of pressure, that's huge for them. And can Um, New England's offense do anything? I mean,
1: yeah, but not enough. They've been a little better over the last few weeks, but it's still just so inconsistent. There's no rhythm. There's just, it's just inconsistent. Are Are you
0: ready for this one? The pro football talk had a suggestion. This is the latest permutation. I actually think this is a good idea. This is almost the exact idea that Benjamin Stockwell told me yesterday. Um, If they rule this game in no contest, obviously the seeding is a mess. So they could add an eighth team to the AFC playoffs to eliminate the buy that the number one seed gets. Everybody plays wildcard weekend. So number one to number three seeding doesn't make as much of a difference because you don't get a buy anymore. All you do is change what team you're playing. I actually think that's smart. Ben's idea was to just add the eighth team to both conferences, but it's a reasonable point of why in the NFC, just, just make it an AFC thing. Eliminate the playoff or eliminate the, the week off that, that somebody's gonna get for free
1: because of this tragedy. Wow, that really might be the most fair right version. Get rid of Now the... I certainly don't have the permutation. Sure, handy. get rid of the bye week. Every plays. Because that put the Jets back in play it puts a lot of teams back in play right
0: i don't know who's who's officially jets, eliminated
1: if there's an eighth seed well then the the jets and titans are both 7 and 9 the titans can't win; they can't lose and get in the jets could beat miami and be 8 and 9 just like miami and if the steelers lose the jet now the steelers, steelers. Uh, jets beat the, so the jets beat the steelers so the jets would be the 8 seed right so here's the scenario the Dolphin, the jets beat the dolphins yeah. they're both eight and nine i th- well who would have the tie i don't know who'd have the tiebreaker between those you've two just teams added
0: here. no you've 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 taken this to an area you're not equipped to go you know we, what do you mean
1: talking it out live on air here yes what trying to it? come
0: out trying to come up with who has the uh tiebreaker for a hypothetical number eight seed that doesn't exist that's
1: you you just overreach there you can try- i get somebody help me out with my permutations please you have flown too close to the sun and burned i thought your i wings. could figure it out yeah but the Titans at eight and nine, I mean the Jets at eight and nine could have the tiebreaker over the Dolphins. I feel like the E <laughs> next to the Jets name that says eliminated could be removed. Yep, possibly. they have the t- my point was that I would knew I know that they have the tiebreaker over the Steelers because Zach Wilson led a fourth quarter comeback against the Steelers earlier this season. Uh-huh. So
0: anyway. I kind of like that as a I, that's the best idea I've heard in this world of there are no good ideas or no good outcomes to this, only bad ones, which is the least bad. That, I think, is the best idea I've heard.
1: And so the most likely scenario there is the Chiefs are going to win, be 14-3, and three, get the number one seed, mm-hmm. and play this hypothetical new playoff team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the most likely thing is all three of those teams win this weekend, which would leave the seeding as Kansas City 1, Buffalo 2, Cincinnati 3— but now all three of them have to play a game. Kansas City doesn't get a
1: bye week just because this game got suspended. Of course the NFL solution is going to be more games rather than less. That's the added bonus. Oh, we had an extra playoff game. Whoops.
0: Huh. We had to abandon a game and all of a sudden we found an extra game to add. We did. Why don't we just let 16 teams in on both sides? I mean that's that's what I was saying to Ben is that's the precedent they're setting. Chiefs, fully fully Chiefs half Texans. the team,
1: or fully half the league rather, cool. is going to be in the playoffs from here on out. Chiefs, Texans, round one. And uh Bills Broncos. We'll just do one verse fourteen, one verse uh sixteen. So yeah, that's an interesting one. Um and it also it would give it wouldn't make this necessarily a must win for New England because at eight and nine they could Get in over the Steelers with the tiebreaker and the Dolphins. Maybe Whatever like they do, I don't the think Jets. we're going
0: to know about it until after these games are played anyway. So, you know, everyone has to play with the assumption that this is
1: it. Everybody play your game, and then we'll let you know who's in the playoffs. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Um, I, I picked New England to just keep it close in this one. It's um, a
0: seven-point line.
1: Yeah, to, rather than Buffalo. That's all I need to hear. Buffalo. Well, there you go. Uh, speaking of the Jets, Jets at Miami. Uh, Jets are favored by one here in Miami because Skylar Thompson is the starting quarterback here. Teddy Bridgewater's got the broken finger on his throwing hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was reported that he was throwing the ball two to three yards yesterday. I'm sorry? Two to three yards. He was trying to throw like the ball. from me to you? Yeah. He was just trying to, trying to throw, see how his finger is. How could you even tell over what? Well, I'm sure it hurt enough that he couldn't throw beyond two to three yards, which is why Skylar Thompson's probably in line to start. Okay. Can't you just tape up a broken finger and throw? Isn't it, isn't his pinky? I don't know. It feels, isn't that? Pinky's like, has an impact. Not
0: much, no? You can just, can't you just tape it to that one and then you're, you know.
1: What did Jared Goff have in the playoffs two years ago? I think uh, he had a broken finger, played through it against Seattle and then couldn't play through it against the Packers, whatever it was. Yeah. Then he got traded.
0: Teron Armstead has my favorite, um... Injury report. <laughs> like you mentioned, who was it? Uh, Josh Jacobs had a was it a hip and obl- an oblique and personal day. Teron Armstead has been on the injury report for two weeks now with a toe, knee, pec, and hip. <laughs> it's just like it's just all of them. Just list what's healthy, right? On Armstead. It's just the, the whole body at this point is broken. Like so, is he going to go? It sounds like he might. Yeah, with the toe, knee, hip, and pec, be out there gutting through it. But God. Like, I mean, we, we highlighted this when they signed him. Like, that guy is an incredible player. He's arguably a top three left tackle in the NFL in any given year. But he's going to get hurt. He misses games every single season. He's already missed games this year. And, I, I mean, God, it's just, you're basically signing this guy to a monster deal with a 75 or 80% chance that you'll have a huge upgrade at left tackle in any, any given week. And then a 20% chance that you have the same guy.
1: Uh, Cameron Wolf of the NFL Network said that uh, University of Cincinnati health physicians will have an update on Demar Hamlin at 1:30 Eastern. So Cameron Wolf's going to be providing live updates here. That we'll just, uh, I guess, we'll just relay live on the air. We're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants here because we're live. But I think it's, I think it's worth it to, um, if there's any other notable updates, to pass those along as much as possible. So get ready to follow Cameron Wolf if you haven't already on Twitter. Um, So you got Armstead with uh, 14 injuries. Skylar Thompson trying to run this offense. You know, he's, he had flashes early in the season against the Vikings, but not really anything outside of that when he's, when he's had a chance to play Skylar was, he's an, he's like 25 years old as a rookie. He had a good solid college career at Kansas state. Can, can the, can the Dolphins scheme it up to get their playmakers the ball? I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, we, We oversimplify things sometimes by saying Tua Tanga Bailoa went from average to below average starting quarterback to high-end starter this year statistically, and it's just because Tyree kills there. And you have Jalen Waddell and all this speed. But you have to do something. There has to be something about Tua's skill set that matches well there. right? I said this last week on the show. Was Teddy Bridgewater not the perfect skill set? Even though he's probably of similar skill level as Tua, is he not the perfect skill set for this offense? And that's why he hasn't. Uh, put up similar numbers as Tua. The Mike McDaniel and Dolphins have to figure out: okay, what can Skylar Thompson do to get the ball to these guys? Because how many times have you just just that like little 15-yard over route to Jalen Waddle, and he just he's angle changing in the secondary, just like Tyreek Hill is angle changing when they when they run. Can you get the playmakers the ball in space? This yeah. is this is the challenge, right? I'm not saying fire Mike McDaniel if they don't win here but you're paying him to scheme it up. I know it's QB three and it's a rookie and all, but you have the offensive pieces, even if Armstead's not out there and you got a rough offensive line, you have the offensive pieces figure out a way to get the ball into your playmaker's hands against this Jets defense.
0: I actually, yeah, I mean, it's tough because you, on the one hand, you look at the 49ers and what they're doing with Brock Purdy, a quarterback, you're like, well, why can't Mike McDaniel just do that to Skylar Thompson? Like, how come that's not working? But you also have, they're going up against the New York Jets defense, which is really good. Um, that defensive line is fantastic. Their pass rush is top three, I think, in the NFL at this point, something like that. Um, obviously, they have Sauce Gardner on the outside, elite coverage. Like, it's just a tough ask. I, Tua was obviously a perfect match within this offense. And certainly, until teams started to come up with a game plan that was causing it some problems, that I think was the best offense in the league. And then all of a sudden, that started to go away a little bit. I think that generally is still out there as a, a potential issue we just we don't quite know whether the adjustments have been made on this offense um and even if they are there's just such a difference between what Tua was capable of doing and what Skylar Thompson is capable of doing right
1: now so I think this offense is going to have some issues just for perspective here uh this year Tua's passing grades small sample size on Teddy and Skylar. 81 passing grade for Tua to go with a 105 passer rating which I think is leading the NFL for whatever that's worth yards per attempt. Teddy Bridgewater with a 72 passing grade, so about nine points lower, only an 85.6 passer rating, still 8.6 yards per attempt. No big-time throws in there from Teddy Bridgewater. And then Skylar Thompson with limited, but 56 passing grade, far lower than the other two passer rating also of 56. So when we talk about, like, system quarterbacks are being helped by the supporting cast, it doesn't mean that literally anybody can step in and perform at a high level. But the goal this week, if you can get Skylar Thompson, even up to what Teddy Bridgewater's level was for a game, then the Dolphins have a chance to make the playoffs. Here, it's winning in for them to get you know to to get into the playoffs, and then we'll see if. I mean, given everything that's happened this week, I can't. Are we not going to see Tua the rest of the year? I can't imagine we do. Right, and you just give time for Teddy Bridgewater to maybe get healthy and start a playoff game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they again. I I I think. I, I don't know if we'll see Tua again, if they make the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's another question. I, I think it's taking some restraint and probably some PR pressure for them not to put him back in if he's cleared for this game. Um, it, it would be a, I think a different question if they have another week and then they're back in the postseason. But Tua, Tua makes such a huge difference to this offense that it's, it's a very tough thing, I think, for this team to do the best by Tua and say, look, you're not, I'm sorry. Like you've done a great job this, this year you're the reason we're in this position, but we can't risk it for the for the benefit of you. We have to save you from you. You can't go back out this year because you've taken these two-slash-three, really, concussions in the space of a couple of months, and it's better for your long-term prospects that you do not play this game.
1: We'll have plenty to talk about. Two of this offseason: season, him and Herbert and Burrow, all head into year four. It's uh, fifth-year option time. For those guys, obviously Burrow and Herbert are slam dunks to get locked up long-term. I assume two is going to be in that bucket too, but he's probably a tick below those guys as far as long-term contract goes, right? So we'll see what happens. We'll discuss plenty this offseason. On the other side, Mike White getting the start for the Jets again. Struggled last week. Was that because of the ribs or is that because he's Mike White and yeah. regressed back into Mike White? I think we'll get some more answers about that this week. I think the Jets defense though it's a challenge man for even if it was to under center it's a challenge we get to see sauce gardner against those receivers again and everything so should be a fun matchup the jets are favored by one here where are you going
0: um i think the jets will cover that i think they will win they'll have a good performance um i I think the problems that miami have starting skylar thompson are just too big to overcome Particularly against that defense this time around. All right, what
1: I'm taking Miami. I'm taking Miami here. Uh, you're going no, to feeling better about it. Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers favored by two and a half. Now this one, once again, the Steelers. Whether there's uh, seven or eight teams in the playoffs, the Steelers need to win and get some help to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's still alive for uh Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. uh Pittsburgh's favored by two and a half here. Are the Browns alive? If there's an eighth seed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I looked at the I looked at the Jets. So the Browns are the other seven and nine team in the league. The Raiders would all anyone Raiders, Colts, Broncos, and Texans remain eliminated. If there's an eighth seed the Browns could be in. They yeah. well they lost to the Jets.
0: I don't know what any of the tiebreakers look like, but a seven and nine team theoretically just from a win percentage perspective is back alive if there's an eighth seed in the AFC.
1: Well, there's a chance the Browns and Steelers could both be 8-9 if Cleveland wins. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then I don't know what the tiebreaker looks like there. Yeah. Or what it looks like against Miami. We can't. Or New England.
0: Again, we've flown too close to the sun. Our wings are burnt. The Icarus thing. All I know
1: is when I look at ESPN standings, there's an E for eliminated (laughs) next to the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. There is a chance if the NFL does rule the way at Pro Football Talk, who's really just Mike Florio, the way he reports... Then, oh, man, there's more stuff here. What? There's uh, more of an update? That was 15 minutes ago. Um, It might be eight teams in both. Yeah, I mean, that's what Ben suggested. And then we're talking neutral site for... AFC Championship or neutral site for like Bills Bengals if it's round two. I think it should be
0: that anyway. That's the one addition slash change to that idea of just as long as AFC. the neutral
1: site is like New England or something. It's got to be outdoors. It's got to be a northeast place. It can't be like in Detroit, in a dome or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Cincinnati, no, that's the, not neutral.
0: The, yeah, the point just being, you know, the whole point of this is. This game has meant that there's no fair way of deciding what the 1-2-3 is going to look like between Kansas City,
1: Buffalo, and Send Cincinnati. everybody to Mobile, and we'll play at the Senior Bowl everybody site. To everybody, every game is in Mobile. If Bill's Bengals play in week two, I just don't want it to be in a dome. I need, I need winter weather. Do it in Maine or something. Maine. Toronto. That's, that's Bill's country. It's also a dome there's no outdoor stadium in toronto somewhere i doubt it i mean they have any sense <laughs> why would you build an, an outdoor a, a stadium, stadium in toronto's outdoor stadium yeah let's do that anyway um as i said the browns and the jets could still be alive i guess technically here we don't know whether they are or not if the nfl does that were their players put onto like ir or something like well your season's done Right, like you know, it's the end of the season. If, if guys have injuries, it's like, well, I'm not going to play week 18. We're out of the playoff picture. Are there players that like were put on IR or weren't expecting to play this week? Where all of a sudden it's like, well, playoffs, maybe playoffs are on the line here. Anyway, what are you looking for in this game? Can Kenny Pickett do it again in the fourth quarter? I mean, look, this has the potential to be Mike
0: Tomlin's Sistine Chapel. Mike Tomlin. With a winning record, which is hard. Remember, that's hard you have to be over five hundred now. You can't just get to five hundred and be like, eh, ah, no losing record here. Eight and eight. could play for the tie. You have to get more wins now than losses to escape that losing record season. If Mike Tomlin emerges from this year with a winning record with Trubisky as his starting quarterback and then Kenny Pickett, the rookie that nobody wanted in the first round, I mean, God, it's just that's a Rembrandt piece of work from mike tomlin that's a hall of fame candidacy right there forget anything else he's done in his past that should put him in the hall of fame and he's got a chance to
1: do it you're saying this is mike tomlin's hall of fame credentials here yes
0: this game that's all i need to hear you know the the famous story that when they got to peyton manning the guy you know giving the pitch for the peyton manning at the hall of fame meeting that they do just stood up and said it's peyton manning and sat back down again it took 12 seconds for everybody to go yep this is what it should be. Stand up, just this. Mike Tomlin, this. Never had winning a winning record, record this year. Here Trubisky, Pickett, I'm out. See ya.
1: And everyone just goes, yep. Takes <laughs> the box. The Steelers' offense is fascinating because if you just look at the PFF grades since about week 12, um, solid, like green and dark green and the whole thing. We, uh, game grades, right? Past game's been more effective. Pickett's played well these last few weeks. Hasn't shown up on the scoreboard, though right usually when that happens it's some sort of disconnect between uh play calling right and so i know matt canada's taking a lot of heat this off season i am fascinated if they do restructure the system in pittsburgh with what kenny pickett showed his ability to deliver the ball accurately on time when needed outside of structure when needed pickett's been really good down the stretch here um not just in the fourth quarter either i know he's had this fourth quarter magic but um even outside of that, but I don't think the offense is creating, right? Like when you watch a football game and you look at what, not to take anything away from Brock Purdy again, but you look at some of the throws that Brock Purdy's making into an ocean of open to say Kittle or Ayuk or whatever it is, like the Steelers just don't have that right now. Every throw, it's like, wow, you know, George Pickens is making an incredible catch or here's the seam into a tight window, whatever it is. I'm interested to see Pickett in an offense that does him some favors. So my point is, they haven't, they've, they haven't scored more than 24 points over the last six weeks. But the offense is grading well. The run game has been more effective. Like, it's all trending in the right direction. Pittsburgh's playing pretty well. Defense, looking better. Kind of like the Steelers, the way they're playing right now. Unless Deshaun Watson turns back the clock and plays to the level we know he's capable of.
0: Yeah, um, we we talked about this with the the Baltimore game. Um, T.J. Watt looked like T.J. Watt. I think maybe for the first time since he came back, uh, the most recent game we've seen him. So if we get if the Pittsburgh Steelers get that version of T.J. Watt again, Cameron Hayward has been great for most of the year. You know, they have players that can cause some serious problems for that Cleveland offense. I think they've also got the kind of run defense to cause them problems as well. It will be, I think, interesting to see if they adopt the game plan that they did for Baltimore where they rolled in with that six-man defensive front and said, go on pass the ball because you're sure as hell not running it against this um, I mean, that's theoretically, that's what you do to Cleveland as well right? Like, yeah. you, your only real threat to us is the run game. Um, now it's slightly different when you're talking about, instead of Tyler Huntley to nobody, it's uh, Deshaun Watson to Amari Cooper which at least theoretically is an awful lot more dangerous, even if practically it hasn't necessarily been but like if you're crafting a game plan for this I think that six-man front should probably still be in the rotation
1: if not like your base formation yeah Cooper Cooper had that big week last week the three long catches and everything I'm interested to see Watson and his development man obviously the offense hasn't been as effective with him under center as it was with Jacoby Brissett I do think weather is a part of that when you play December football and certainly the Saints game a couple weeks ago but it's colder it's just it's harder to. You know, play offense because it has coincided with the Browns' defense playing better. I, again, I don't. The the elements matter in that, but I, I'm I, if Watson has another average game, and that's what he's had four weeks in, right? Five weeks in, yeah, bunch of average games. I mean, at best, right? All right, what are the Browns even thinking going into the offseason? It's like, yeah, whatever. This is the guy we paid for. We we're still confident in him, and um, give him an off season, and we'll be fine. He was it, it was rust as you were talking about? Or is it actually like a Russell Wilson-like concern, but at a much younger age for Watson that we've paid a ton of money for a, for a quarterback that's not producing? We'll see. Um, I'll take Pittsburgh, though, to cover the two and a half. Uh, yeah, Give a pause. It is. All
0: right, I'm on board. I'll go with that. I, I'm here for Mike
1: Tomlin's masterpiece. Okay, so that's mo- that's the AFC games that have implications I lied a little bit because the Chargers Broncos game does too a a touch but um, as far as like getting into the playoffs those are the games let's go to the NFC games with playoff implications Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers Packers by four and a half this is your Sunday night football game got flexed in and um, if Seattle wins Detroit's out so Detroit will know if they're playing for a playoff spot I mentioned this the other day though I don't think it'll affect their effort or anything we're talking about the fighting Dan Campbell's here talking about the Green Bay Packers the Lions at worst have a chance to spoil the Packers playoff run here and I think that's motivation enough for the Lions it's even better for the Lions and their fans if Seattle loses to the Rams the Lions winning in and could get into the playoffs here and I think high level if you look at Detroit a couple years ago we said this is a multi-year rebuild and I think I don't want to say they're ahead of schedule or anything like that but Pretty cool that in year two, they're playing for a playoff spot, trending in the right direction, and then you know the goal at least is next year and beyond the Lions are more competitive in the a- uh, NFC North.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of been the season that people predicted for the Lions. It just happened in a weird way. Right. Like, they came because, late. Yeah, they, they were effectively eliminated, and then all of a sudden weren't. Then they were the Green Bay Packer team, and then they blew it against Carolina by coughing up 320 rushing yards in the game, and that lost them – ground all of a sudden they're now the team they can still make it but they're behind green bay in terms of ability to do so and they need help um unlike green bay but it's all going to shake out to about where people thought it would be which is they're kind of in that playoff um you know the cusp of the playoffs moving in the right direction everything generally is pointed in the right area again like even even the defensive front like that was my big question coming into this year is do all the young guys that they drafted actually take a step forward? Because if they don't, this thing isn't moving where we thought it was moving. It, re- it needs all that stuff to move in the right direction for that to, to realize what we thought it was gonna be. And that, it hasn't really, but other players have come along and sort of done the same job. So instead of, uh, you know, the, instead of the Aquaras or whoever on the defensive front, it's all of a sudden James Houston looking like the, ne- the other guy with, Aiden Hutchinson being that player so yeah it's a weird season for Detroit I I think it feels a little bit like the opposite of Arizona the last couple of years where it's actually ending on a good note so we can feel optimistic about this Lions team and trending in the right direction yeah maybe the the actual answer is it's just where we thought it would be all along which is definitely positive steps but still big question marks heading forwards
1: last game last time yes Aaron Rodgers threw three interceptions um, very uncharacteristic. Two in the, two actually in the red zone, but three pretty much in the red zone or in the end zone, right? It was so the, the Packers were moving the ball, and then Rodgers kept turning it over. Not common, not expected in this game, I would say. It was 15 to nine. The Lions won the, in the Packers four-game winning streak here. They made the second half comeback against the Bears, and that has turned their season around. They beat the Bears, Rams, Dolphins, and then crushed the Vikings last week. The Packers' defense has been a lot better these last few weeks. More plays in the secondary, had the pick six last week. I think that's the side of the ball. As much as I want to see Aaron Rodgers and the offense, and you know he's the star in this game, Lions offense, Ben Johnson, how effective they've been, Jared Goff playing his best ball these last five or six weeks as well, going up against the Packers' defense, that when you talk about preseason expectations, right, this was supposed to be the defense to carry Aaron Rodgers' to a Super Bowl for the first time in 10 years over the last few weeks. I'm not saying they're the 85 Bears or anything, but they've been much better, you know, and, they, and, they've, and they've been opportunistic as far as making some big plays.
0: Yeah, and the other fascinating thing about this game is, again, the last time they played, this was a low-scoring game. Like, Green Bay's defense did a good job against this, what has been generally a high-flying, uh, free-scoring Detroit Lions offense that's been able to put up points against pretty much anybody. Jared Goff – had like a hundred was it 167 yards something like that 137 passing yards the last time they played um, i've been talking up lions offensive coordinator ben johnson all season long what did he learn from that first game like what adjustments is he going to bring to the table for game two against a defense that has been an awful lot better does he come up with the solutions to what was happening the first time along or is this lions offense going to be held to a much lower scoring? Uh, much lower production than it typically has because, like, their defense is still pretty bad. So if this become, if this is a low-scoring game, I think Green Bay is the favorite. If the Lions have come up with adjustments and Ben Johnson is back on his
1: game, then I think the Packers have some work to do to match them. We've also mentioned with the Lions, with Jamison Williams coming back, the guy's got seven targets, one catch for 41 yards because <laughs> he had another 40-yard end-around or whatever the other day, right? Yep when you watch some of his other routes, like there's a one where he was, there's was a miscommunication with Jared Goff and he's knocked off his route and all that stuff. He's so young as an NFL receiver, but so explosive. Can he be like there, the lion, like like Christian Watson has been for the Packers, where it's like, we just need a couple big yeah. plays. And because the lions have Amon-Ra St. Brown, you get DJ Chark, you got Khalif Raymond, but can Jamison Williams just just run an over route, man. Just be super fast on three or four plays and wreak havoc in the secondary. That could be the difference in the game because the Lions have, they've got some playmakers now that Williams is back and you have to account for all these guys defensively.
0: He might already be. The only difference is he doesn't play the same amount of snaps. Um, like he's playing 10, 20 snaps a game. Christian Watson is out there 38 snaps a game, 40 snaps a game. Um, like that's the difference. But yes, he he's already scary. Like you watch him move. And he just has that different level of speed and velocity. You know, he's not Tyreek Hill, obviously, but that's terrifying to to a defender. When you look across and you immediately see that guy moves different than everybody else. He's faster, he's quicker. I need to think about this completely differently than I need to think about any other receiver. Like he absolutely has that capacity to terrify a defense.
1: Aaron Jones, questionable once again. But if he's going and it's him and A.J. Dillon, just remember, two weeks ago, the Panthers ran all over this Lions defense. That's always a possibility as well, right? If the Packers lean on their run game with their one-two punch with Jones and uh, and Dillon. So just keep an eye on that as well. I like, man, I like the way the Packers are trending. I'm going to take them to cover the four and a half.
0: Hmm. Aaron
1: Rodgers with a winning in game. Then they're going to be the seven seed, maybe out of eight. They're going to be the seven seed and just, you know...
0: This is a bummer because I do think it matters whether Green Bay's al- or whether Detroit is alive or not at this point. Like if they're fighting for an actual playoff spot, I think it's a very different Lions team. Than you if- don't think
1: Dan Campbell's going to get his team up?
0: I mean, look, I think it's to human spoil, nature. Spoil the pattern. Yes, you want to ruin Green Bay's day, but do you want it as much as you want the playoff spot? No. Like I think if they are already eliminated from this game, it is only natural that their intensity drops off in this game, and they are not nearly as motivated simply to ruin the Packers' day than they are to actually make the playoffs. Do you want to make a dependent bet? Yes, I do. I do. I like Detroit to cover if
1: they're still alive. I like Green Bay to cover if they're not. Fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll let you. I'll give you that leeway. I'll take Green Bay regardless. So the game that the Lions fans, as Lions fans all year, have been watching the Rams, rooting against the Rams, rooting hard against the Rams. When the Rams lose... The Lions win draft status baby you get the you get the Rams first round pick and uh, it's looking great you're gonna pick high in this draft. however what happens this week if you're a Lions fan you have to root for the Rams to win because if they win against the Seattle Seahawks who are favored by six points if the Rams can beat the Seahawks then we're there at Sunday Night Football where the Lions have a win in opportunity for the playoffs So Lions fans, I assume most of you want to make the playoffs. And for the one week this year, you actually have to root for the Rams to win and pull the upset in Seattle as six point underdogs. Yes. What? I, just, I agree. That that is
0: that's the summation that of what great. needs was, to happen.
1: That was like my Sistine Chapel. That was uh, oh, yeah. that was Sunday night intro worthy. That was like Al like if Al did that, you'd be like, Oh that's Al's monologue. The opening yeah, monologue. That was my monologue. Now I gotta slide team. in. Yeah, you could be Mike. You could be Chris. You had the best slide in when we did the video the other day. You jumped from the ceiling. Yeah, that awesome. was a slide in. That was... It was a jump in. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. It was also sore. Yeah, <laughs> despite the padding that we put down. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> jumping on a, off a ladder into <laughs> like That padding floor.
0: didn't do nearly the job I thought it was going to um, do.
1: Didn't protect you from the concrete no.
0: floor. I mean, a mattress is good to sleep on. It's,
1: it's a lot less good to land on from, you know, 10 feet up in the air. I'm just saying, I think that's a social clip. I could, you know, me to the lions... Telling the Lions fans what's at stake here. Okay. All right, what are you looking for in this game?
0: Uh, Seattle's offensive line has collapsed down the stretch. It is getting torn to pieces. And actually, that might be a big influencing factor in the, hey, how come Geno's cooled off down the stretch? He isn't quite at the same level he was earlier in the year. Well, maybe it's because his offensive line stinks at the moment, and he's under a lot more pressure than he was earlier in the year. So I think that's kind of relevant. Um, The Rams' defensive front, Obviously, without Aaron Donald, it's not the same thing. They kind of showed up for the first couple of weeks without Donald and were randomly getting pressure from guys that hadn't been able to do it when Donald was taking three blockers Jack at a time. Yeah, budget Jack Youngblood. Um, that's kind of cooled off as well. So I, I think that's kind of the key to this game is can the Rams get any kind of pressure against a bad Seahawks pass blocking unit? And if they can't,
1: it feels like Geno and the offense has enough to, to cook. And that's the mix, too. Geno Smith playing for a playoff spot, along with Skyler Thompson and Josh Dobbs. Didn't expect that, necessarily, coming into the season, even though we knew Geno had a, st- a chance to start. Um, my question, of course, is also which which Baker Mayfield shows up on the other side, right? Much like Baker Mayfield's career, where it was good, bad, good, bad, That was that's essentially been the first four starts of his Rams career. Good, bad, good, bad, right? And the third good was like, all right, you're kurt warner you know single game completion percentage and we're dominating this bad broncos defense on christmas day and then last year last week you know no show against the against the chargers will baker mayfield come and play a good game with this rams offense which is still they call it you know rams season rams preseason week four team like that's that's who they've been trotting out the second half of the season and some weeks they play hard and they keep it close and other team other weeks it's like it's a it's a preseason roster. It's your second, third, and fourth stringers, and the expectation should not be to win. That's why the Seahawks are six point favorites here. And the likely scenario here is Seahawks win. And um they would they would be rooted. Seahawks fans are rooting for the Lions then to beat the Packers to to get them into the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, like the the Baker thing is is it's an it's an awkward thing to analyze because it is so random, it is so up and down, it is the roller coaster, that's been his career the whole way. But yeah, you do kind of lose the context of, nobody should be playing well with this supporting cast right now. Like he doesn't have anybody to throw to. We're like talking ourselves into the idea that Tutu Atwell could actually become a player for them down the line. You know, he's shown nothing in his career up until this point. Um, The offensive line is still bad, but it's like slightly better than when it was the worst offensive line in the NFL but it's still got a bunch of people who should not be starting NFL games on it. And because we've seen Baker have a game and a drive or a game and two drives of good play, you're like, well, why doesn't he do it for the other games? Well, I mean, probably in large part because everybody else is bad. Like, it doesn't always function. It's, it's almost impossible to play well consistently with that kind of supporting cast, which is why Matthew Stafford looked like crap before he went down hurt. You know what I mean? And he had a... he had. Um, the receiver whose name is falling out of my head. Who's the Rams? <laughs> Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. There you go. <laughs> Jesus. He had Cooper Cup for most of that time, like who was the offense last year. So. You're it, starting to forget stuff like I am, huh? Oh, it's a long time. I've been. Oh, good. Names don't exist in my brain anymore. Nice. But because I actually played football for a period, I'm like, is that CTE or am I just
1: old? Or are we just 40? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough.
0: It's the world we live in.
1: All right, man. So what are you thinking here? Can the Rams pull the upset keep it close help the lions can they do it Um, i get the rams covering the six at least here because it's seattle and seattle you know weird stuff happens up there it does
0: (sighs) no i don't think they have enough i think seattle means more to them they have better (laughs) players the rams don't have enough good players they're gonna win they're gonna roll they're gonna cover
1: weird comments in the chat don't want to acknowledge Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Commanders. Dallas favored by seven. Still an outside chance at the number one seed. Still battling potentially for the NFC East if Philadelphia can lose as 14-point favorites against the Giants who don't have anything to play for. But we'll see here. Um, Sam Howell is also making the start here for Washington. Sam Howell
0: making the start. Um, I guess I'm curious what the offense looks like with him because... Preseason, he looked a lot like the kind of player that needed an offense built around him. Like, their offense was very collegey in the preseason when Sam Howell was the quarterback. Uh, We've seen – I mean, the Titans didn't want to do that for Malik Willis. They didn't want to run an offense that was all read option and quarterback power and all that kind of stuff. They were like, nope, Joshua Dobbs, fresh off the street, is a better offense because he can actually pass the ball – and run nfl concepts and we don't have to run a, an offense out of the college landscape so we're going to do that for the final two games rather than play malik willis and build the system around him i mean the washington is going well we're out, we're elim- officially eliminated now even though they might not be if the, if the nfc gets an eight seed as well oh that's anyway true.
1: we might i mean maybe they throw taylor haneke back in there <laughs> right but if they Ron don't rivera was right hole but if you're like,
0: if the idea is, okay, we got one meaningless game at the end of the season, let's get a look at the rookie. Do you want to look at him in what is the offense? Like, do you just say, go out there and do your best Taylor Heineke slash Carson Wentz impression, see what that looks like? Or do you say, this guy is coming from a massive, like, RPO-driven offense in college. He, his skill set is clearly built off this running ability at the moment. Like, let's actually give him the best chance to look good. Like, what, what is the goal here? Sam Howell's
1: not a run-first quarterback. He is it a— kind of is, though. It just not. doesn't look like he should be. No, I mean, his, his sophomore year, his freshman and sophomore year at UNC, he was one of the best passers in the country. He was incredible. He yeah. lost all of his playmakers. But then, then they life.
0: discovered he was Tim Tebow, and they just run, ran him all
1: day Yeah, long. I get it. But to me, that was more like, hey, the UNC offense, we, we have Josh Downs at receiver and some question marks, and we need Howell to run. And he's this weird runner because he doesn't look like he's got this power that he has, and all of a sudden he's running with power, and he's breaking tackles that doesn't look like he should break. And he was a very effective runner at UNC, but he's not Malik Willis. As a, he's not like a project as a passer. Now, I did think his first two games in the preseason, very slow through reads, very very late, you know, see in the field, two turnover-worthy plays in his first preseason game. Man, he's a rookie, first preseason game that he got away with. But his third game against Baltimore had an 82 grade and was, was pretty good. So I'm intrigued by Howell. And um, it's fascinating, right? Last year at this time, he, people still thought he was a potential first-rounder. The NFL didn't like him nearly as much as maybe the media anticipated. So I um, still think he's talented and was well worth a mid-round pick. And going in the fifth, I think, was, however you classify a steal, well worth a shot hmm. in the fifth round to take Sam Howell. Now, he also took five sacks in that one start in preseason week three against the ravens you're going yeah. up against this cowboys pass rush so i think you'll you'll get the boomer bust that a, that a rookie brings to the table here
0: so you think they just plug him into the offense as is and say play the game
1: yeah a couple zone couple keepers here and there i don't think they're i don't think they're gonna run qb power encounter with him okay like the ravens yes hmm. you think they will i know i don't think they will
0: but i i, I question whether they should a bit like the Desmond Ritter thing. Like, I think he's a good enough athlete that you tap into what he can do on the ground. And I think that helps his ability. like it raises the floor. It helps his ability to look good. I th- also think that Tennessee, I think the best offense that Tennessee can put on the table is a college system with Malik Willis at the quarterback. I think that actually causes more problems for a defense than Joshua Dobbs running a pro style offense does. Yeah, I get it. So if you're what, but I question what the goal is like, If the goal is to make Sam Howell the best quarterback he can be in this one game against Dallas, it doesn't mean anything, I think you run some kind of weird-ass college offense. If the goal is to plug Sam Howell in and determine in one game if he can be an NFL quarterback, then you just put him in the offense and see how
1: bad it goes. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would do. You want to develop him in NFL concepts. The part, the part of his transition from UNC wasn't just the fact that he ran so much last year. It was that like the Baylor-ish type of concepts, which was like, when it's man coverage, throw it deep, chuck it deep, and you've got Deami Brown, who's you know with him in Washington. You got all these speed receivers that are gonna win, so just chuck it up to him. That's the adjustment I think Sam Howell needs to make. So let him run the offense. I think he'll have his growing pains. And um, but this
0: is this is where we differ, and and we've come up with it on the the Justin Fields thing is that I think. Putting these guys in a different offense, in a gimmicky offense, whatever you, however you want to characterize that, a college-style offense, I think that buys them time to develop NFL concepts and skills and, and that. I think if you just put them in an NFL offense, which they're not equipped to run yet, they just sink.
1: You think it does damage?
0: Well, I don't it has mean, to
1: actively do damage because what, what I'm saying is— I don't think it does damage. Do the reps. You get just... the reps. You want the reps running— a drive concept and a you know
0: I don't think it does damage it just ends their career like he goes into that offense he looks bad you go well that's that done move on whereas if you actually put him in an offense that can prop him up for a while you get the reps and the ability to bridge that gap to the place you need him to be which can actually buy them time. Like, again,
1: I've Eagles made the last point. last year, though, because any time the Eagles could just fall back on the run game, any time you could fall back on using them as a runner.
0: Yeah, my argument with that is I don't think, just, I don't think Jalen Hurts is still the Eagles starter if they just plugged him in to the pro-style offense and never adjusted. The fact that they moved to this run-heavy system is why he's still starting at quarterback and was able to make that leap as a passer because he had time. If he'd just been sat there and was running the NFL pro-style offense and all you were focusing on was how bad he was as a passing quarterback, they'd have moved on. They wouldn't have given him the next year. He'd be done because he wasn't good enough to do that yet. The running thing
1: buys you the ability to learn on the job you and can, develop pro-style skills. And you could fall back on that any time. The reps that Jalen Hurts got may have been beneficial. All right, where are you going in this game? Uh, Dallas. Like they're gonna they're gonna
0: plug him into a pro style offense and say have fun and it's it's not gonna go well
1: I'll take Dallas by seven as well I think they'll play it out um now here's the interesting one Philadelphia by 14 over the Giants um the Giants are what the only team in the NFL that's just like locked in yeah to their seed they're the, they're the sixth seed no matter what um so they know what they're doing um so there's they can rest their players getting ready for Wild Card Weekend. I assume we're getting Gardner Minshew again. There's still a chance Jalen Hurts could play. Yeah, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk Jalen Hurts for this. Yeah,
0: even though this is actually a more important thing to fight for than Baltimore's thing. Like they can, they do need to
1: lock up that one seed. This is to earn the bye unless the NFL decides we're throwing buys out the window, which could happen by the end of the show. Right. Um, but we're assuming Philadelphia win, and you're the number one seed. And uh, what are you looking for in this one?
0: Um, I so can the Giants target? Jack Driscoll at right tackle. Like for the Eagles, have had the number one offensive line in the NFL from pillar to post, from starting gun to, to checkered flag. They've been won from the preseason rankings every week through to now. But without Lane Johnson and with Jack Driscoll in there, they suddenly have a weak link. They have one out of their five offensive linemen is now a problem. And again, you can patch that up, you can get by, but it does now mean that that guy has a target on his back in any given game. The Giants don't have the best pass rush in the world, but Kayvon Thibodeau's done well. He's been able to get some some joy, some pressure. Can the Giants figure out enough ways to really go after Jack Driscoll? The other thing the Giants do that makes them unique for that particular uh, outcome is, because they blitz so heavy, yeah. they can take away a lot of the things the Eagles would want to do to give Jack Driscoll help. You know, So when you go into a game knowing that one of our five offensive linemen is a problem, you can dedicate chip blocks. You can dedicate a tight end to that side. You can do a lot to make sure that guy is never one-on-one. The Giants can take away a lot of that stuff by sending seven guys every single play, and all of a sudden he is one-on-one again, and he's probably going to have to, you know, hold up his end of the bargain by himself in this game.
1: Yeah, so there's an interesting matchup there. I think, you know, if, if Minshew does play, um, but Hertz was questionable. He he was limited in his uh, in the walkthrough yesterday. If Hurts... If Minshew does play, I don't think he replicates last week's disaster, right? He gets sacked six times. A bunch of them are on him. Pick six to Marshawn Lattimore. He's just misreading things. The Saints defense is underrated. It's a good defense. I think Minshew will have closer to the success he had on Christmas Eve against the uh, against the Cowboys. So, um, I think the Eagles will be fine. It's a 14-point spread, not just because the Eagles are huge. I think Vegas is assuming the Giants are going to rest their starters. Right. So... Will the Eagles cover the entire fourteen?
0: 14? 14's a lot.
1: Um, hmm. Yes, because I really don't think the Giants have anything. I'll just take the Giants to play for. I'll just take the Giants to, to the opposite of you to make you make you feel good about your pick. Hmm. Um, let's give a little uh, Damar Hamlin update from from Cameron Wolf. He's he's at the UC Health Physicians um, press conference. Uh, Dr. Timothy Pritz says Damar Hamlin is beginning to awaken as of this morning and neurologically uh, neurologically function is intact. Neurological function is intact. Mm -hmm. He remains critically ill and is in the ICU, but there's been substantial, quote, substantial improvement in the last 24 hours. Um, UC Health Dr. William Knight adds, Damar Hamlin has gone through a long, difficult road over the last few days. He notes Damar made an incredible and remarkable recovery, not just vital signs and response, but his organs as well. Doc said there were significant concerns upon arrival. And then Dr. Timothy Pitts, uh, Pritz said last night, Debar Hamlin woke up, followed commands, and asked who won the game via writing. <laughs> Pritz adds that he has not talked yet because he's still on a breathing tube. The doc's response to the question of who won the game was, quote, yes, you've won. You've won the game of life, end quote. UC Health Doctors, he just just tweeted by uh, Cameron Wolf right now, so there's a long way to go. Next step goals are trying to get him off the ventilator and breathe on his own, eventually get him discharged from hospital hospital and to get him home. So that's the update so far from Cameron Wolf over at uh, UC Health.
0: Yeah, so all continues to be good news and, and positive for him, that's great.
1: Very good, yes, so.
0: Um,
1: just trying to read again, great. Well, yeah, that is, that is all positive and just good to hear, man. That's what we're, that's what we're hoping for here. All right, we got six more games to discuss. Some mean more than others. Uh, Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. Another 14-point spread here. Niners favored, obviously, in this one. It's Brock Purdy playing for a potential number one seed. Of course, if the Eagles get upset, the Niners can win and get the number one seed. They need to. Do they need to win to get number two over Minnesota? I still forget that one. But Niners are probably going to play to try to win this one. Yeah. 14 points here. Who's starting for the card?
0: David Blau again? Is he We're back David Colt Blau? McCoy back? Um, yeah, the, the Niners need the win to get the two. If they lose and Minnesota wins, Minnesota jumps back into that two spot.
1: Sunday season finale against Atlanta. Misworded. Yeah, I have no idea if Colt McCoy. Sorry, what, Niners need to win? They need to win to keep the two seed. Otherwise, Minnesota can jump back in. Minnesota could jump in. So, Minnesota's going to be playing Chicago. They'll be playing for something. So, Niners are going to probably win this game. Will they win by two touchdowns with their pass rush and everything they've got going defensively here? Uh, Yeah, I mean, so. I just think the Niners' offense is going to be really tough to stop for Arizona's. Yeah. Makeshift defense. And last, last game of J.J. Watt's career here.
0: Yeah, so, you know, can he summon up? one last kind of game of magic and go out on a really high note. Obviously, he's still got juice to do it. We've seen a couple of games this season where J.J. Watt has looked like old J.J. Watt. He's never going to be more motivated than he is right now. Um, so that, that I think is fascinating. Arizona's matchup players on defense have been pretty interesting. They've been using Isaiah Simmons almost like a slot corner at this point, like made him more of a defensive back that enables him to kind of stay in base, sort of, if you get me, um, which I think actually makes sense like it's it's where he was best in college really like he was more of a safety than he was a linebacker in college he was just built like a linebacker and the nfl has this weird fixation sometimes on making these guys linebackers rather than just saying why don't we just keep a 250 pound safety who can run a four three isn't that amazing like that feels anyway they've been using him a lot like that so that maybe gives them an not an advantage but helps them match up with some of these players the other thing i'm fascinated to see is josh jones the left tackle for the Arizona Cardinals has been—he was a guy that graded really well in college. We really liked coming out, and then they—they they nev- they didn't give him a starting job coming out. He was a third rounder, right? Something like that—a guy we thought had day one, day two type of skills. Yep. Third round, you don't get given a starting job, so you got to do it the hard way, and you've got to become a swing tackle or a utility lineman. You said Josh Jones, right? Yeah. Did I hear Jacobs in my head? Maybe. Pretty Maybe. sure I said Josh Jones. Yeah. Um, but he, took, he played guard, he played right tackle, and basically he looked terrible at every position he was playing until he got opportunity to go and play left tackle again where he played in college. And he's been good. He hasn't had a bad game yet at left tackle. He's been consistently above average in PFF pass blocking grades every, every game at left tackle. And I think is giving the Arizona Cardinals the ability to move away from D.J. Humphreys, and by that I mean move away from his salary. And get cheaper and younger at the position. Which might
1: be a huge priority this offseason. For them, Arizona. yeah.
0: But this game, now you got to go and block Nick Bosa.
1: <laughs> I mean, look. He could throw up a 20 grade and completely change your entire perception of Josh Jones.
0: Well, many several things could happen, right? He could get his absolute ass kicked. And as you say, blow the whole plan out of the water. And you're like, well, okay. Now what do we do? He could do what happened last week and have like a titanic battle back and forth. Colton Miller last week against Nick Bosa. Great back and forth. Now, Nick Bosa got the win at the most important play and end up essentially de- determining the game. But Colton Miller did a pretty good job against Nick Bosa over the course of the game, like overall. Uh, he could have that, like a, a good back and forth where maybe Bosa gets the edge, but you're like, dude, that's a hell of a job for a young left tackle. Number three... You could have a great game, lock down Nick Bosa, and you're like, sweet. Now we can get rid of D.J. Humphrey's contract. We found something good out of this crappy year where everything's falling apart around us, and we can install Josh Jones as the left tackle he should have been all along. Look at you finding
1: some positive, you know, positive news for the Arizona Cardinals, or positive things to look for here. Um, Brock Purdy, I thought, passed a big test last week, playing from behind, right? Um, remarkably similar stats to Jimmy Garoppolo right now.
0: Yeah, our uh, <laughs> our live our live podcast fact checker Ben Stockwell has been writing an opus in Slack to try and break down who the hell is still alive if there's an eighth seed in the AFC. Oh, is that what he's doing? We're going right on for quite some time. The bottom line is I'll the only one it. I'm going to read. Oh, he here. sent it to you only. Yeah, this is my thing now. Yeah, I know, but you. I mean, you failed, so we, Ben had to take it upon himself. The bottom line, which is the only one I'm going to read, is so I think. The Jets are alive, the Browns are not, and the Jets need the Jags, Bills, and themselves and the Browns to win if there's an eighth seed. Who does? The Jets. The Jets are theoretically the only team that isn't alive right now come back to being alive if there's an eighth seed, but All right. they need
1: uh, they need themselves to win. Then I, they need the Jags, Bills, and Browns win. I did see some people complaining, though, because the Titans last week – sat everybody because they thought the game meant nothing not that they would have beaten the cowboys or anything but they tactically sat people saying this game doesn't mean anything and if there was an eighth seed they would be alive if they had won the game
0: uh, the titans would be the least team in the world i would feel sorry for because they can still get in by winning like just win the game I mean, who cares like the but again this comes back to there is no good answer all you have is what the best bad answer is like yes is somebody going to get unfairly screwed? I, I have far less sympathy for the Titans than I have for teams that actually, like, put people on IR thinking the season was done and all of a sudden it might not be, which I don't actually think applies to anybody here. Like, maybe you could argue Tennessee. No, they put they put Tannehill on IR before that, so that's not relevant. I don't genuinely don't think that's relevant to any team. Um, anybody else, all you're doing is bringing the Jets back into the picture, theoretically, and they still need four games to go a particular way for that to happen. People have argued that the NFC gets screwed because all of a sudden, like, they don't have, uh, the like, somebody's playing an extra, or sorry, the, the NFC benefits because the AFC, so everyone's got to play an extra game. Like, yeah, but like, who cares? A, it only applies to one team, and B, you're still getting the two weeks rest between the championship game and the Super Bowl, so I yeah, don't, I don't think, think that's relevant.
1: I mean, unless unless the Chiefs as the number one seed, you know, somebody gets hurt or something like that, yeah. That's the only thing that would that would happen
0: yeah but like that's (coughs) all that's doing is offsetting the fact that they were going to get artificially handed the number one seed anyway so again there's no right answer there's just which is the most fair or most equitable bad solution and i think so far that's the best one i've heard
1: i was about to read the incredibly consistent stats between brock purdy and jimmy garoppolo but don't do that we can move on yeah all i know is pff grade passer rating completion percentage yards per attempt Almost all of it's very similar this year between Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo. So credit Purdy and Kyle Shanahan for and Bobby Slowick for maintaining excellence mm. in that pass game for the 49ers with uh with Brock Purdy. Give me the Niners. Give me all the yeah, give me the Niners to cover it.
0: Give you the Niners to cover it. What is the line? Fourteen. Fourteen.
1: Um hmm. I
0: no, I'm gonna go with Arizona.
1: Okay, great. I'm going to skip around the document here. Now stick with me. Oh, God. There's two more games that have some level of playoff implication here. So let me go to staying in the NFC. Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. I put it at the bottom of the doc, but keep an eye on it. Vikings favored by 7.5. As you mentioned, if they win, the Niners were upset by Arizona. The two seeds still alive there. So Minnesota's probably going to be playing. Chicago's not. Uh, Justin Fields hurt, so it's Nathan Peterman and friends. A lot of backups out there for Chicago. Minnesota only favored by 7.5 here in Chicago despite Mm. all the backups playing. I don't know if there's some implication that Minnesota might not play that they might want to uh, rest teams, uh, rest players. Also remember, Vegas thinks they stink. (laughs) Vegas thinks they stink. And here's the other thing, right? The 7 seed, would you rather... Let's play would you rather. Play the Giants. You're the 3 seed. The Giants are locked into 6. You know you're going to play the Giants. Mm -hmm. Or could be the Packers at seven. I think the most likely outcome for the seven seed is the Packers. So if you're the Vikings, I don't think you're like if you're not fighting, you're not fighting to uh, to get the two seed if you're gonna play the Packers in round one. Remember that so the, the two seed could play the Packers, Lions, or the Seahawks. Green Bay is the scariest out of those teams, and you know if you're the three seed you get to play the Giants. Yeah i mean yeah i think and they then you lose rather, home field in the second round
0: i think they would rather play the giants and the packers on the other hand i think they would quite like to get a game back on the packers after the, what just happened to them Potentially, um, i to me this question though is the vikings offensive line is now a major problem they lost brian o'neill he's been put on ir he's done he's not coming back i guess maybe if he made it to the super bowl they could get him back but anyway let's just say let's say he's done for the year um they're still down to their third-string center, as far as I know, which last week was an absolute mess. Chris Reed, uh, they signed Greg Manx during the week. So, I, I mean, I doubt he's able to come in and play immediately, but there's a backup option. So they can actually play a center if they lose their third-string center in the game. They're still waiting for Garrett Bradbury to get back. Like, imagine pining for Garrett Bradbury. That's how bad things have gotten for the Vikings. But what I think this is, when you consider where the Vikings have been this season, 11 one-score game victories, the terrible margin of uh, points differential over the year, this is a team that has been on a knife edge all season long and coming down on one side of that knife edge almost every single week. The, the offensive line problems, all of a sudden, could tip that back to the other side of the knife edge. Um, and that, I think, could end up being the, the killer blow for them this season. The only good news is Chicago has the worst pass rush in the NFL, the worst defensive front in the NFL. This is a great week for, like, that new offensive line to kind of get its feet wet and figure out if they can do anything, like Chris Reed to survive a center and figure out how to get the snap count right, for Oli Udo at right tackle to just get through a game without being a disaster. If they can at least do that, that's a step in the right direction. But... I think that's part of the reason this point spread is what it is. Like, that offensive line all of a sudden is a major issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's definitely the right team to play. I don't think Chicago has anything on defense to be able to exploit it. Minnesota's the better team, but maybe they keep it close with the, uh, the O-line issues. And also, again, I don't, don't really know if Minnesota's going to – are they going to rest players? Um, we're talking about uh, Kevin O'Connell – Rams strength and conditioning and data science and all that stuff there might be there might be enough analysis out there that says sitting out the second half you still might get the two seed but not fighting like hell for the two seed taking the taking the three seed caring less about this game and caring more about rest for next week and the playoffs and all that stuff is the better play that's all I'm saying
0: yeah I mean it's possible so what's gonna happen here um, I mean, I think the Vikings win. I think they're they're a better team than Chicago. They've got too much for them. The fact that Chicago doesn't have Justin Fields and they're they're stuck with um, <laughs> a much worse quarterback, I think is uh, is definitely significant. But I do worry about whether the Vikings can have the same kind of success on offense that we've become accustomed
1: to. Worry enough to not cover the seven and a half. <sighs>
0: no i think they cover seven and a half but i think that's a real worry for them heading into the playoffs yeah i'll take
1: minnesota to cover i think the bears are a bad team if justin fields is bailing them out with 60 yard runs they're a bad team with that so the gauntlet is open for drafting at underdog fantasy it's a playoff best ball tournament with a million dollars in total prizes and a hundred thousand dollar first place prize just draft your team before the nfl playoffs start and that's it drafting players will rack up a bunch of fantasy points and advance deep into the playoffs that's the key to this style of contest. If you haven't signed up for Underdog yet, use the promo code PFF, and you'll get your first deposit up to $100 matched. So go check it out. Underdog Fantasy. Use the promo code PFF. Got to do it before the playoffs, so you're running out of time here. Million dollars in total prizes, $100,000 first place prize over at Underdog Fantasy. All right, then the Chargers at the Broncos. The Broncos are favored by two in this one, which implies Vegas knows something about the Bronco, about the Chargers maybe resting their players in this one. But as I've said, I think they want to win. I think they want to keep that five seed because they they could lose it to the Ravens if the Ravens beat the Bengals. Maybe the Chargers play the odds that the Bengals are just going to beat the Ravens. But I think the Chargers want that five seed to play the AFC South winner, don't they? If it's Jacksonville, do you? I mean, over. Over the Bills, Chiefs, or Bengals, right? Those are the those are the alternatives. Or Bills or Bengals, like those are your alternatives. I can yeah. go to Buffalo, Cincinnati, or Jacksonville.
0: Hmm. I mean, Jacksonville stomped them the last time they played.
1: Yeah, but Herbert was down the rib,
0: down the rib. He was down a rib in that <laughs> game.
1: Down a rib. Yeah, yeah. I
0: don't. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know if it's that big deal for them.
1: So there's a chance the Chargers might not might not want to play because hey you get to, you just want to get in the playoffs just get into the tournament and the whole thing i think they would want to play and win the fact that denver i don't know how this works with vegas they must have i it's mean like they, mu- they must go beyond you know a few beat reporter reports and stuff like that right yeah i mean i'm sure they have sources their
0: own independent sources i'm not sure just they do. you know the wafer wire or the injury report rather i um, don't denver's pass rush has disappeared over the course of the season they were one of the best in the nfl early on they had multiple players that were sitting at the top of the uh, the PFF pass rush win rate statistical charts. Um, okay, a lot of them got hurt, but the pass rush generally has just kind of evaporated over the second half of the season. Chargers offensive line is kind of getting itself back in shape, even if they've been banged up. Matt Filer was the worst player on that line early in the year, was having a disastrous season. He's kind of picked it up over the second half and is playing much more like Matt Filer from last year. Jamari Sawyer, their their left tackle, six-rounder, has played pretty well given what he's been asked to do, come in and replace Rashawn Slater. Rayshawn Slater, um, like that offensive line actually might give them a pretty good platform against Denver's defense
1: despite the fact the defense is good just because the pass rush isn't there anymore. The player's back potentially, full participant, coming off of his concussion. I mean, the, the argument for resting players is you're the Chargers. Yeah. Right. The argument for resting players is, we're the Chargers. Do you really want to tempt fate that another guy gets hurt? Let's just, you know, let's bubble, you know, bubble wrap until next week. Yeah. Because this offense, as I said on the Monday show, with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and with their pieces in place, this offense, this is what we thought they were at the beginning of the season. I mean, the Chargers as a whole, remember at the beginning of the year, we thought they were good enough to compete with the Chiefs and the AFC West and all that stuff. Are they? I mean, are, is this the team that we thought that they were? But they just had to battle through, you know, a ribless quarterback and all the other injuries that they had. And now they're rounding it. They're the opposite of the Vikings, right? They're the opposite of some of these teams that are losing pieces. They're, they're gaining here at the end of the season. So there might be some argument for the Chargers to rest up and, and go from there.
0: We've gone from, in the last couple of minutes, we've gone from being down a rib to being entirely ribless. Ribless. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that was Justin Herbert, boneless. Boneless. Boneless <laughs> wings. Boneless Herbert.
1: All right. we do you go? I mean, I'm Denver's favored. Yeah.
0: I'm not buying into Denver at any point based off this year. So give me the Chargers.
1: I give me, I'm picking the opposite of you because I don't trust you. I'm taking Denver to cover. So I think Vegas knows something about the Chargers playing backups. Even if they play backups, I'm not picking Denver to cover anything. All right. So I'm pretty sure that the last three games – have no implications <laughs> for anything. The only playoff team that's still around, um, in this list here is Tampa Bay. So it's Bucks at the Falcons. Falcons are favored by four at home here. Uh, Todd Bowles has come out and said that the starters will play. Tom Brady said he wants to play, but it's the coach's decision. But I don't think Bowles implied how much do they treat this like a preseason game. The Buc- who knows? The Bucks are f- locked into the number four seed. They're hosting a playoff game, likely against the Cowboys in the wild card round. So should the Bucks even play their starters?
0: Um, Yeah, like I I think they should because I think there's value to trying to see if they can build on whatever momentum they had last week. Like that was the closest this offense has looked like to getting itself together and functioning the way we know it can function, given the sum of all the parts, talent-wise. So don't just let that disappear because you couldn't be bothered to play a game because you didn't really have anything to play for. At the very minimum, treat it like the way a lot of teams treat preseason, which is go out there, you know, try and have a couple of successful drives, and then park it, you know, keep everybody... Treat it like the preseason, yeah, right? Yeah, keep everybody healthy for the next week and get out of there. But try and execute again. Like, try and make sure you can do that again. Because if you can't, like, you might want to play out this game and try and get it back. Like, they... I don't think they have the luxury of just going, well, we're good. We're set. We can just roll into there in the playoffs and pick up where we left off. We're fine.
1: Um, the tricky thing with all that is, like, if Brady plays, everybody plays, right? You can't, like, pick sure. and choose, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, if Brady plays, you want the receivers out there. You want the offensive line out there. Uh, Mike Evans looked like a whole different person. Their timing and efficiency and Evans' speed just looked looked playoff ready, right? I mean, they, if, if the Bucks play like they did offensively last week, they can upset the Cowboys in the playoffs. They could do some damage in the playoffs. So I think there is a there is an element of like, hey, let's keep that going. And and ultimately all through the season, the Bucs have had a solid defense. They've had their spurts of bad play, spurts of great play, but it's like a good solid defense, right? If if they come out with another good week, the Bucks might be able to make the argument they're better equipped than they were last year when they were down Chris Godwin in the playoffs. You know, they were they were down some players. They still had Gronk, but um, it's an interesting time for the box and seeing how how they play this with atlanta it's uh, you know another look at desmond ritter heading into the offseason and um, yeah we'll see if he does enough for them to to build on on him going into next season i don't think we've seen that yet but More data points here on Desmond Ritter.
0: Yeah, I also think potentially the combination or the the battle between Chris Lindstrom and Vita Vea could be a fun one. Chris Lindstrom, I think, has the best PFF run-blocking grade of any offensive lineman in the game this year. And Vita Vea, as we talked about last week, has this just freakish combination of size, strength, and the ability to take otherwise impressive-looking offensive linemen and throw them to the side to make plays. Does that work against Chris Lindstrom, like, that's going to be a pretty fun matchup
1: if they duel one on one. If the Bucks do take Brady out at some point, we're looking at Blaine Gabbert and maybe Kyle Trask. God bless coming in there. So anytime you can see Blaine Gabbert play football, it's just a it's a it's a gift. I'll take the Bucks to cover the four as underdogs here because I think the starters are going to play enough to maybe get a lead. That's my prediction here.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Atlanta.
1: Perfect. All right, the two other games that absolutely mean nothing. Other than draft status. Yes. Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. Colts favored by two and a half. The Texans
0: can upend everything
1: with a win here. You know, then we're going to get, I've already seen the questions of Bryce Young. If the Bears had a choice between Bryce Young or Justin Fields, what would you do? Would you take a Bryce Young? And there's an argument to be made that it's not just player for player. It's player plus two years. of of rookie contract, right? It's Bryce Young because Justin Fields is two years closer to long-term contract, right? And we always talked, we talked on yesterday's show, I thought we had a great discussion that we'll rehash throughout the offseason about quarterback value and first contract players and all that stuff. Bryce Young on a rookie deal, five years of rookie deal might be better than Justin Fields on two years plus a 50-year option.
0: Sure. Alternatively, it gives the Bears the capacity to get an absolute haul For that number one pick move down and build around justin fields in a way they're not really capable of doing as things stand
1: and and that's like the real balance sheet the real balance sheet is bryce if if the bears had number one if the texans win this game against the colts which is doable the texans have played played hard played some good football against good teams (laughs) and the colts have not (laughs) right i mean when you look at the texans have no wins but they've played good football they have two wins but they have like good football against good teams the last six or seven weeks of the Mm -hmm. season. The Colts have played bad football for six or seven weeks here, whatever it's been. The Texans could easily win this game and give the Bears the number one pick. But the real balance sheet is Bryce Young at one versus keep Justin Fields for three, two, three years plus long-term contract and X number of picks in the first round, likely. This
0: is a truly seismic game. Like if the Texans lose it, get the number one pick, fine. That's what we thought was going to happen all the way along. But if they win this game and if Chicago loses the way we expect they will to Minnesota, the Bears get that number one pick, and that changes everything. That puts them – that gives them a a question to answer about whether you pick a quarterback at number one and move on from fields or whatever.
1: Take a Willie Anderson, take a – Yeah, whether you take the
0: best defensive or non-quarterback player at number one overall or whether you can entice somebody to trade away – that number one pick for a potentially massive trade haul and and, and catapult yourself to a team-building position that you're not capable of getting right now, given what you have. This can change an awful lot about the NFL in the next couple of years based off one seemingly meaningless game between two bad teams.
1: Yeah, that's actually my favorite thing about Week 18. I mean, the the year before Andrew Luck was drafted, I think the Jags had an opportunity to lose and get him. And they won instead. Like, they just beat the Colts And there's week, something in I mean, the last week of the season. And it's like, that changed the course of those franchises. The Eagles right
0: now are the number one seed in the NFC. They're one of the favorites for the Super Bowl. And you can make an argument that the entire thing traces back to one meaningless week 17 game at the time, right, where they tanked. Yes. They deliberately pulled the starters, put in bad players to lose that game intentionally, which gave them the position to be able to then do those trades with Miami and blah, blah, blah. Like, you can make the argument the whole thing started with that team tanking a Week 17 game and getting better draft position because of it.
1: Okay, I misremembered this. The Colts had the number one seed locked up, I believe. Or maybe the Jags didn't have a chance at the number one seed, but maybe someone else had a chance with the Colts and the Jags beat them and whatever. Either way, it affected the future. So, yeah, we'll have a... There'll be a lot of games on at the same time. I'll have like a little eye toward this. If you're the Texans, I mean, I think you'd rather have the number one pick. So you want to subtly make sure that you don't win somehow.
0: I, yeah. I don't, the problem is, let's say you're Houston and you're winning the game reasonably late. Second half, you're winning the game. And institutionally, you would like to make sure that doesn't happen. I, the Eagles were able to pull their quarterback and put in a backup who was much worse. The Eagles put in Nate Sudfeld. If... The, if the Texans pull their starter, does it make them less likely to win?
1: No, you if call— If they take
0: Jeff Driscoll,
1: or if they put— The trick is, what you do is what the Eagles did is call every— you, not only did you put in Nate Sudfeld, you called every pass at the line of scrimmage. Like, you're just going to th- you're gonna, you're gonna throw a screen.
0: I'm just saying, I don't know that they have a better or a, a better chance of losing the game with Jeff Driscoll as the center, as the quarterback that they do with Davis
1: Mills. Yeah, I know. I'm but not they, sure there's an obvious fix if they happen to be winning this game late on. I got Houston covering the two and a half. They're going to play too hard. Oh, to hand God. over the number one pick. Coach Saturday is going to have a he's going to have a tough press conference if they lose this game. To, Coach Saturday plays to win though too, so it's it's going to be. a Oh, battle. he's
0: been imploring the team to to fight hard down to the, the last. Problem is, play. it's
1: Sam Ellinger on that side for the Colts. It's Sam Ellinger in the same mess of an offense that Nick Foles and Matt Ryan can't function in that yeah. Ellinger couldn't function in. I am also going Houston. All right, the last game. Pretty sure this is all of them. Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints Saints favored by three and a half this one also means nothing to anybody this has no implications at all anymore Saints don't even have a first round pick or anything
0: no even if there's an eighth seed nobody's still alive it matters to the Eagles yeah every
1: every Saints game matters to the Eagles they're rooting for the Panthers again this week yeah or against the Saints Sam Darnold's final audition is he heads he's gonna be a free agent right is he a free agent
0: Must be right. They they didn't pick up his fifth year option. This is his fifth year option. This is his picked up. This is his pick it up. Yeah, yeah. And then traded him.
1: This is his picked up fifth year option. They they picked it up and then traded him away.
0: Like that was part of the problem. Um, So, yeah, he's a free agent. Right. I imagine the phone will be ringing off the hook for Sam Darnold. I mean,
1: the way he's played this year is not bad at a reasonable price.
0: It'll be ringing off the hook with people like you enamored by what they saw in three games this year going I, I believed all along in Sam I knew it yeah, I knew it was the Jets and then the Panthers I'd bring him in for 10 million it was million. anybody but him
1: I'd give him 10 million you'd give him 10 million yeah wow okay 10 I, for Darnold as a high-end high-end backup no
0: who's your backup gonna be anybody for this for no money like, to get the same level of play by any random for he not 10 be million
1: he might be better now might be in uh, Teddy Bridgewater's league now or something. You are such a sucker. Big time sucker. Yeah. It's good. I am uninterested by the final audition of Sam Darnold. I'll take the Saints to cover the three and a half. I still think they're good.
0: Yeah, I mean, they are pretty good. Having said that, Carolina's had games where they played, you know, much better as well. Um, yeah. I...
1: Carolina's had three or four games that looked like the best games of any team in the NFC South. <laughs> <laughs> That's my description of the Panthers. Three yeah. or four games where they looked like the scariest team. Like, if they were hosting the Cowboys. In the worst division in the league. The way yeah. they played against the Lions. If they were hosting, the, it's like, wow, you can run for 300? Hmm. Scary. But it only happened like three or four times this year for Carolina. Yeah. I, yeah, I tend to agree. I think the Panthers
0: are not as good as the Saints. And since nobody has anything to play for, let's go with New Orleans.
1: The players are um, asking for Steve Wilkes. Yeah. We've got Derek Brown and J.C. Horn. They're fighting for Steve Wilkes to be the – the, the coach, long-term. I, I do
0: think long. he's done a very good job as the interim head coach. Um, he, they do appear to have an awful lot of uh, admiration and, and love for the guy. He seems to be getting them to play harder than they were. I think the offense generally has functioned better. Um, yeah, Wilkes has done a good job as that interim. He should be absolutely, you know, one of the candidates for that job.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mentioned a couple shows ago. I'm torn on that because I don't know that how you perform how you perform as an interim coach matters. I do think there's something to If the players yeah. like you that much, there's probably something to that. I think if you just looked at it and said, well, our record's good.
0: I mean, a big part of that job, one of the seven things you need to be good at to be an NFL head coach is that culture, the respect, the, the feeling that the team has for you within that locker room. If everybody thinks you stink and hates you, like, it does yeah. you, you can't, like, okay, look, the players. A lot of his former players essentially agree that josh mcdaniels is a football savant but he has terrible interpersonal skills and or leadership abilities and apparently that plus two plus two equals terrible coach right (laughs) now if you have a guy that's good at that yeah it doesn't make up for the fact that you know you're not a football savant but it certainly helps and just being a football savant doesn't necessarily make you a good coach if you don't have that part
1: so that'll be interesting. Let's see if uh Steve Wilkes ends up being the guy in Carolina. They're also I don't know if it's they're wooing Jim Harbaugh, but Jim Harbaugh is interested in Carolina and a few other places coming out of Michigan. He seems
0: yeah, I don't quite understand why he's so
1: intent on going back to the NFL. I think he's just he's at a he's at a peak in Michigan. He's at a high value spot in Michigan. Yeah. In his Career Like he just beat Ohio State twice, just went to the college football playoff twice. His value might never be higher per his own perception. Also, don't
0: you wanna like, I mean, look, who knows, but it feels to me like Nick Saban went to college, dominated with Alabama, won a bunch of national titles. And now he's like, you know, all-time great, blah, blah, blah. Jim Harbaugh has got Michigan to the point where they're now beating Ohio State. They're in the college football playoffs. They're, so getting, a they're getting bounced from the college football playoffs though every year. Don't you want to win one? And then win more than one? And then now I am the great, you know? As opposed to, well, maybe I got the most of the way there, but now I can jump back to the NFL, so see ya. Might be. If it was might me might be the way to go. I'm just saying, if it was me, I would be leaving that job feeling that it was it's- an incomplete
1: it's also going to be really difficult to sustain that success with Ohio State there, with Penn State there. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's difficult. That's why it's, it's a challenge. Like, it, that's why it's the job, you know what I mean? That's why you're getting paid several million dollars, because it's hard. There's a bunch of other good coaches and teams out there. The NFL's
1: a better and life And if you want to be Nick college.
0: Saban, you've got to go and do that every NFL's year. The NFL's a
1: better life than college, though, I think. Why? With recruiting and everything. With recruiting? Yeah. Mm. That's what – and there's more money, too. but. I don't know if there is, though, for those guys. Maybe not. I can't remember where it is now. But anyway, that's it. Show's over. Okay. Week 18. Good job. Great update on Damar Hamlin. Yep. So good to see that. We appreciate uh, those reporting on the scene. And uh, the medical professionals, again, just like, they saved his life, man. Yeah. Damar Hamlin's life was saved because uh, people on the bills, medical professionals on the bills and the Bengals, uh, the protocols and all these different things, came together and handled the situation as well as they possibly could. The
0: NFL has a million medical procedures and um, people and all this kind of stuff in place for what everybody hopes will never be needed. And for this one time it was needed and it all functioned, I think, about as well as it can function. And apparently that's the difference between Damar Hamlin keeping his life and, and from the sounds of it, okay, we're still very early, but being okay and not...
1: So, absolutely. So, excited to get that report. Uh, positive news from DeMar Hamlin. And then, uh, yeah, that's it for Week 18. We will be back. Uh, PFF NFL Daily, by the way, we've paused that a little bit until I think we're going to re- make that return whenever we understand more about the schedule and the playoffs seeding. That'll be our return. Yeah, I think maybe that's as what soon as tomorrow. Yeah, so hopefully we'll have more information about the games, what they're going to do with the playoffs. We'll talk about that on tomorrow tomorrow's Daily. Um, there's no Thursday night football tonight, so all right. everybody gets a night off, take a break, and uh, get ready for Week 18. We'll be back here Monday morning reviewing all of the Week 18 NFL action.